0: Greetings and welcome to another edition of Confessions of a Movie Critic. Uh, today's episode has basically been derived from the fact that during an interview this morning on Power FM at the station in South Africa, I uh, was talking about James Bond and the new film, which has just opened today after many delays No Time to Die. Um, I hate the title. <laughs> um, it's almost like James Bond has looked in his diary and it's like: is it yesterday? Is it tomorrow? Um, it's like he's scheduling when he shouldn't die, or I don't know. It just, you know, t- tomorrow never dies. You know, there's like a there's a bit of a formula, and no time to die just sounds like ludicrous. So anyway, um, I think they could have done better than that, and it doesn't really sound like a novel. It just sounds like. Um, current state of affairs, really, you know, people in the rat race, in the hamster wheels going crazy, and no one's got time to die. So, uh, a crazy title, but uh, it's Daniel Craig's last installment as James Bond, and this is quite funny because he actually said that uh, he would rather slit his wrists than do another Bond film. That was uh, before they offered him $150 million to do two more. And his thinking is that uh, the Bond films have been excruciating in terms of the physicality. And he's just got to that point now. I mean, you know, he's not a young man anymore. So doing um, all the kind of stuff that he does is going to be taking a toll on his body. And this is like the longest running series of all time. And he's actually done quite a lot of films. I think he might actually be one of the Bonds that's been a Bond for the longest time. I really loved Casino Royale, and I thought that that was a fantastic uh, entry point and a a relaunch of the Bond-Eon franchise. Um, It just, uh, it really kind of captivated, Um, some people were saying that Daniel Craig deserved an Oscar nomination for that performance. And yeah, it's just like superior in terms of the other Bonds and in the way it's, weaves its uh, magic for people that are fans of the long-running series, but then also brought something quite gritty and and edgy through. And I think the Bonds are really as strong as their villains, and that can be true for most films. But yeah, um, this podcast's more to do with the fact that my confession is that I haven't seen all of the Bond films. Now, nowadays that actually isn't even that big a deal. And some people would probably say look, because of the misogynistic tendencies, the sexism, the nostalgia around this kind of form of imperialism, uh, that you shouldn't. You should just kind of ignore them and just kind of uh, let it go. And I must say, I haven't really felt all that motivated to catch up on the ones that I'm missing. A lot of them, I'm not even really sure if I have seen or not. Sometimes they just sort of blur and blend together. And I'm sure that a lot of Bond fans would be uh, tearing their hair out right now in response to that kind of attitude, because they are just so um, enamored with the series. And there are podcasts out there, like two hours long, where Bond fanatics are able to talk about Bond for two hours. There is a legacy involved, and there's a lot of discussion, and obviously, who's your favorite Bond or gadget or car or gun? I mean, you know, it can go in all directions. I think the series has really come up to some really fantastic uh, competition from the likes of Mission Impossible with Ethan Hunt and Tom Cruise doing all his own stunts. And to me, that series uh, has just been a lot more, I suppose, memorable. Um, There are moments from each of those um, installations that I remember far more readily than what I've seen of Bond. But to be fair, I have watched Bond over the space of 30 years and uh, some I've watched over a couple of times and some like Moonraker I just haven't actually seen. And that's not because I don't want to. It's just because I haven't really been able to access it easily. I think what's missing from the current Bond series, and I did say that Casino Royale is actually one of the better ones, uh, I think that Daniel Craig is by far the most physical and roguish kind of bond that we've had. Uh, I definitely believe that what he's doing is, it seems possible, it's more believable in terms of the action and the stunts and the training. It actually feels as though he's been through a boot camp and he's um, physically in sort of optimal performance level mode. Whereas the previous Bonds kind of got by more on their wits, their quick thinking, and it was almost as though they'd really just gone through etiquette school rather than being able to take down a guy in a fistfight. I think what's missing from the current Bond series is, uh, even though it's kind of dawning there's a new chapter around the corner, I think that Daniel Craig, while he actually demonstrated that he actually can be quite charismatic and interesting, in Knives Out, which was a major success, and now has two sequels following, is that uh, he kind of was a little bit too dry. And I think they're trying to change that. I mean, he got Phoebe Waller, I actually can't remember her, her full name now, but she's in Fleabag, and is the writer and star of that show, to actually inject a bit more humor into this latest version. And it's an interesting, Situation because you know Danny Boyle was attached to direct it at one point. The composer pulled out, and post-production uh, for Hans Zimmer to take over. Um, and Kerry Fuganaka Fuganaga is actually now the the director, and I, I think that it was actually quite an inspired choice. So he was attached to possibly direct Spectre, and he got called up again to do this one. He's best known for uh, Jane Eyre and. Um, true detective, and he's just got that uh, very smoky kind of mood about his films. Um, there's um, an elegance to them. There's there's a, a raw power to them, and I think that's what the Bond franchise has been looking for of late. They want to win some Oscars. It's not good enough to just have Oscars for best original song. Come on. <laughs> Skyfall um, actually Garnered quite a few Oscars, and I thought that was a very handsome film. Um, the cinematography obviously sam mendy 's bringing his thing to the mix um, but i just uh, yeah it it kind of didn 't quite click for me, and uh, Spectre, even less just felt a bit um, a bit loose a bit out there and and not kind of defined enough and not charming enough i think what 's missing from the latest films with Daniel Craig, it's just that feeling of charm. Uh, You know, it's getting getting a bit too serious. We've lost the the sort of playboy edge to how the series began. It's actually quite interesting, Ian Fleming, um, even though he died in 1964, he didn't really get to see much more than about three of the the films come to life, um, with Dr. No and Goldfinger and I think Thunderball, before his passing um and in 1966 there were 22 secret agent films in the year which just shows you how much of an impression James Bond made on Hollywood at the time and grossing over 7 billion dollars with a franchise valued at 20 billion dollars <laughs> you know this is like a hot property and uh i think it's under the MGM name i think they own it and recently were Purchased by was it Netflix? I can't remember. But there's there's a lot of money riding on it, and there are these massive sponsorship deals that uh, you know, with BMW if it's the cars, or Heineken if it's a beer, or um, you know, trying to sort of mix up the martini thing. It does seem like a lot of these things are up for grabs with watches and everything. And uh, you know, we've seen these Bond movies just hold on to some of the formula over the years which reminds us that it's a Bond film. And they are designed to be seen on the big screen, which is why I think it was wise for them to hold back and not release straight to video or straight to streaming like we do today. So yeah, I haven't seen uh, quite a few films from the Roger Moore era. I actually was more um, part of the Timothy Dalton era when I um, first started watching The Living Daylights and that kind of thing and um, moved over to Pierce Brosnan. And I quite enjoyed GoldenEye. Um, it then kind of got a little bit more indistinct going forward from there, uh, even though I think P.S. Brosnan was quite a good Bond choice. He wasn't a great choice but for a couple of reasons, but he sort of uh, really captured the idea of an action man who could still have a bit of wink-wink charm. And I really am quite excited to see what they do with the Bond franchise going forward, they are also getting quite a lot of um, stiff competition from Jason Bourne, and I think that might have compelled them to become a little bit more uh, Oscar conscious and, and also just trying to compete on a next level, because the Jason Bourne franchise was very popular, but also quite headstrong and smart, and the action was, was very well composed and thoughtful. And I think that's kind of making Bond look a little bit cheap, um, even though it's one of these prestige kind of series. So, yeah, there's a lot to talk about, and uh, I am looking forward to seeing who the next Bond is. Henry Cavill has always been, uh, he's like a great Superman, but not even that great because he looks like Superman. He's perfectly chiseled to look like Superman, but he just doesn't quite have that altruistic flair and that charm that is... Um, missing from his repertoire. I found that through most of his films. He really is a very good-looking guy, um, but just doesn't quite follow through with the magic in terms of on-screen performance. And then um, Idris Elba, I kind of think that he's a little bit above all of the the stuff with the Bond franchise, uh, even though Daniel Craig has started to tilt it towards being more um, taken more seriously from, from awards ceremonies. Idris Elba is a fantastic actor. I just feel as though it would be beneath him to actually accept um, the role. But having said that, if he were to take it, he would really bring uh, a new wave of energy to this idea that that this is a very dramatic performance. And uh, he has demonstrated that he can do the action really well. Um, And then, you know, Tom Hardy would be a bit of a strange choice. But um, with the Bond character, you know, it's always reflected the uh, male ideal for that age. And Tom Hardy is kind of close to that sort of thinking. So that could be an option. And then uh, Henry Golding. I mean, they've even been like joking about it in some of the films he's done, making inside jokes, but he actually is uh, very suave and uh, he would, and young enough, I think as well, to carry the series forward. That's another consideration, especially with the older actors and the thoughts around Daniel Craig and you know, him sort of denying ridiculous paydays because of the physical demands of the role. So, yeah, and Bond, I've always thought that uh, it's quite an interesting name because it does kind of feel as though when an actor gets signed to the Bond franchise, they are almost selling their soul to the Bond franchise. Um, Sean Connery tried to um, reject that kind of uh, stereotyped uh, role, which he became famous for and then tried to shake off All throughout his career Um, but yeah it's a fascinating area of conversation and the latest film is two hours and 43 minutes so a very long film and no time to die but a lot of time for uh, entertainment I haven't seen it personally yet I really would love to see it in the on the big screen and the reviews have all most well mostly been positive Um, there have been some discussion around uh, Rami Malek, who I thought was quite an inspired casting decision, and uh, I think he would make a very good villain and a very good adversary to James Bond. But uh, yeah, there's been some, some stuff that hasn't been received as well, but it's being toted as being one of the better ones from the Daniel Craig era, and a satisfying conclusion to uh, his involvement. Anyways, so, yeah, I just thought I would uh, say say a few words about Bond and also confess that I need to catch up. Um, I actually miss the the older films and the cheese of uh, the performances that were, and the gadgets that were coming through in those ones. Um, so it really would be a good idea for me to catch up on those. Uh, it is a little bit disconcerting, though, um, that, you know, they've kind of like a... a the latest director basically said that Sean Connery was basically a rapist in the f- earlier films because of just how um, how he sort of reacted in those situations with women and just kind of, you know, I, I can't actually remember. I haven't seen one recently for the Connery side of things, but I can understand that criticism. And even more recently, Ben Whishaw was basically saying it does need an overhaul Totally agree with that, and I think whatever they're going to be doing in the New Direction will be playing into that line of thinking. Who knows? Maybe we will have a female Bond or 007-type agent taking over. Um, There is a reason that Austin Powers and Johnny English have done so well, um, and in spoofing the whole spy genre, which is what Mike Myers did with Austin Powers, So, yeah, let's hope that they've got some fresh material to work with as well. Thanks for listening.